0: Turn of a revolution in the art of science fiction filmmaking. The classic Saga of the Apes. These are the most popular and successful films of their kind ever
1: conceived. They began a new motion picture tradition, and they end beyond your imagination. The classic Saga of the Apes. Rated PG. 20th Century Fox wants you to go ape.
0: What the hell is that a picture of? That's an upside-down picture of Bill's cat. Is, that, no, is
2: it in a bag?
0: No, he had... So he a way. body
2: bag. <laughs> he does. He looks like he's in a plastic bag with his head sticking out. Like, what the hell? I
1: don't know what he had around him, but he looked like... Uh, I thought he looked like Salvador Dali in that picture. Like, like with the crazy eyes. That's disturbing. It looks like it's being, like... Like, it <laughs> no, he can't breathe fine. or something. He's fine. Jeez, I guess I'll have to change it. I didn't know
0: it was so offensive.
1: <laughs> what happened to Wilford Brimley? <laughs>
0: Sorry. That's, he's saving up for Wilford Brimley month. Yeah.
2: We should have a Wilford Brimley month.
0: <laughs> we won't grow old and we won't ever die. But we'll all have diabetes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but bitches come for my diabetes.
0: <laughs> Why the hell
2: not, right? Uh, uh- <laughs> what are you laughing about, you crazy
1: bastard? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just listening to Paul talk, and I'm looking at the monkey, and I, I just see, I just see the monkey talking to Paul. Sorry, I, I mean, think- it, I don't know. It's just because it was so serious, and the monkey looks so serious. It just, sorry,
0: uh, it's a serious
1: mind. monkey. I just shit just got serious. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've i had a rough two weeks, so
0: it was nice to get a good right. laugh. You know what? Let's Ooh. let's jump into this thing. <laughs>
2: <clears> throat> Actually, throat> h- hang on before you do that. I need to... I was doing drink my drink. laws. I need to <laughs> piss and get a drink real quick. I Just do it in the right order, for please. Two and a half hours. Up your head back, <laughs> smart ass.
0: <laughs> he's going to piss in his drink. Quick,
1: while he's gone, piss in his drink.
0: Back to the bin. All right, I'm back.
1: Ah, we pissed in your drink. Oh. Drink, can you pee?
0: <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now, la 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 la. Hey, everybody, and
1: welcome <laughs> to. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought we were supposed to do us, oh, not Laz.
0: <laughs> For H month. Sorry. Go go sit in the corner. Nobody puts Billy in the corner. <laughs> and once again. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am once again joined by my two Simeon buddies, Scott H. Gardner. Hello. And Dr. Orangutan Robinson. <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Billis. You know, Dr. as I was doing my la, 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 I was curious to ask you, Scott, what was your opinion, oh, it's got to be 15 to 20 years ago, when they were talking about doing a uh, Planet of the Apes remake starring Arnold Schwarzenegger,
2: Oh, I you know, I've totally forgot about that rumor, but now that you mention that I I, I do it, remember having heard that, but
1: it's not a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: I I don't know. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw that rumor in either Starlog or comic scene mixed in amongst all the other, you know, rumors that they would run at the time. And so I can remember developing a real sense of, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Because, yeah, I mean, if you look back at old comic scene magazines, I mean, they were constantly talking about, yeah, you know, a Black Panther movie's right around the corner. You know, hey, a Namor movie's right around the corner. And, I mean, here it is, you know, 20, 30 years later, and we never got any of those movies. So uh, yeah. I, I think I treated it much the same way. Although we did eventually get the. uh, the tim burton film so <laughs> to our everlasting regret yeah it, it's it's funny because i i'm still waiting to get you know to, to my knowledge i haven't been in the, the two true freaks mail bin lately but uh the last i looked we had not yet gotten a uh what do you mean you're not doing the burton film email but i'm i'm still waiting for it i'm 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 expecting we'll get at least one person that
0: will be like, really, you guys aren't going to cover that one? But uh, no, no, we are not going to cover that one. Uh, the, the interesting thing on the Burton film, the interesting trivia point, uh, is that the thing that ruins it the most is the ending. I think right. that's the popular uh, opinion. And yet that ending is the closest to the original ending of the book before Rod Serling got a hold of it. Right. Mm-hmm. 'Cause at the yeah. end of at the end of the book, if you recall, Taylor, who is not Taylor in the book, he's some other some French name, uh finally gets in a ship and returns to Earth. He was not on Earth when he was on the monkey planet. Right. And when he does return to Earth, what happens is over the time span that he was gone, apes took over Earth. So that's mm-hmm. essentially what happens in the uh Burton movie. Except the whole thing with the Lincoln memorial, which is just flat out stupid but that's besides the point
1: <laughs>
0: you know i actually uh
1: did some rearranging in the garage and i had forgot that i had i have a paperback copy of planet of the apes the original novel
0: monkey planet
1: uh it's not title. Ty- it's not in french but yeah it, it is from it is it, it is not the rod serling it is the original book
0: all right
1: yeah so i might need to take a Take a look at and read that.
0: I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's a fairly short read. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's not a big book at all. It's because Peaches it,
1: monkeys.
2: I have it on audiobook somewhere and have always intended to either read the book or listen to the audiobook and still have never gotten around to it because I, I just, I tend not to be a fan of when I've fallen in love with a movie. That was based on a book, but the movie is so incredibly different than the book. Inevitably, when I go back to the original book, I I never like it because I I fell in love with the movie. So, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. happened to me with like Logan's Run and Blade Runner. And there's some other ones in there, too. But the only one I ever that I can think of off the top of my head where I ever went back and read the original book. And found it very different, but I still enjoyed it. Was um, who censored uh, Roger Rabbit? I actually kind of enjoyed that because it's a very, very, very different story than Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But it was cool because in that Roger was a comic strip character as opposed to uh, a cartoon character, you know, a, an animated character. So it was mm. a very different kind of story.
0: Well, I I, I think there's a short list of movies that are actually better than the experience of reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, if you read a book and then see the movie, more often than not, you're disappointed with the movie. Right. Uh, and there's a short list of ones that, that exceed the movie. And I can't say I read Planet of the Apes before I saw it. I did not. Uh, but I think if I had, this one would still be on that list. I think this would be one where the movie is superior to the book. Right. And like I said, there's only a a short list. Jaws would be on that list. Uh, The Godfather. uh, Mm Kind of running out already.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, Matt, do do either of you guys have any of the
0: the other Apes books? Mm -mm. No, I don't. I I, may have had them back when they were first out, because I was very, uh, very into it, you know, even back then. Right. So I may have had them. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were on that list of uh, you know books that you can order from school.
2: Right. Yeah. The scholastic. Oh, books,
0: when they yeah. had book fairs. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if I had gotten one or now two. Now that them you that say way. that,
2: I think some of the ones that were based on the TV show were Scholastic books, if I'm not mistaken, because I I think it was in the same vein as that. Uh, the Six Million Dollar Man book, The Secret of Bigfoot Pass, that was on the Scholastic list for forever when I was a kid, because I think I had a couple copies of that book. But I think one or two of the uh, the TV show-based apes books were scholastic as well. I, the only reason I ask is, uh, uh, as you'll hear on this week's episode of Two True Freaks, where we uh, do a commentary for Escape from the Planet of the Apes, I finally finished uh, Conspiracy of the Planet of the Apes. And I liked it so much, and it's, it got me in the mood for, like, prose apes that I dug through uh, my garage and found my big box of books that have just been, you know, books that I just didn't have shelf space for that have been boxed up and sitting in the garage for ages. And I was looking specifically for the novelization to Planet, uh, escape from the Planet the Apes because I was pretty sure I had a copy. And I did end up finding it, and I also found that I had a copy of Beneath, which I totally don't remember ever buying, but I had that as well. So really, the only one that I lack, that I actually want to read, is uh, Conquest. I'd really like to read the novelization, but I don't have a copy. I've never had a copy of that, so I'm going to be on the lookout for that one. I'd like to read all
0: 3 And I'll just keep my comes- eyes open as well. If I, see, if I come across it, I oh, will I appreciate uh, that. pick it up. Because I, uh, I I'm very curious what
2: you know what insight the novelizations might add to the actual movies. Because I just started uh, Escape last night, but so far um, it's really in depth as far as going into more elements than
0: what you see on the screen, and I like that sort of thing. So, uh, and, and, and for what it's worth, just to pimp stuff that's coming up, uh, Andy and I finished our Battle for the Planet of the Apes uh, commentary. And uh, I think you're going to like it. I think we hit on some points and, uh, you know, we we went a little deeper into the story than, than I expected to, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think we hit on some good points that are in there and things that you might not have noticed in first viewing it. Well, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of that episode already,
2: having not heard it just because you guys took a bullet for the team because uh, now I know you guys were really itching to do that one. I was not. So I really appreciate.
0: Well, guys, my, my uh, hope is that if you listen to us, it gives you the incentive to want to see the movie again.
2: Oh, well, I, I plan to rewatch it just, you know, just to be a completist. Well, I'm hoping out. we,
0: we make you enthusiastic about watching it.
2: Oh, I gotcha. You. Well, you know, you you hmm. might, you never know. Cause, uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've made no mistake about the fact that as big of a, of an apes fan as I consider myself Uh, For me, the saga begins and ends with the third, you know, with the one through three. And I only grudgingly like the second movie. There's a lot of stuff in the second movie that doesn't work for me. But back at Christmas time, I I got the Blu ray set, you know, dirt cheap. And I was making my way through the Blu rays and rewatching Conquest on Blu ray. And there's two versions on the Blu ray there's the original theatrical version, and then there's an unrated version. Watching the unrated movie or version actually gave me a much greater appreciation for that film.
0: A Is much the, greater uh, appreciation. The eight porn?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really the porno scene that kind of won me over to be honest with you.
0: <laughs>
2: it's funny cuz that sounds like the soundtrack too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the soundtrack. Yeah, Dr. Dr.
0: Hassline and uh and and Zera. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> that deleted scene. Where the baby really came from,
0: Cornelius and Stevie. <laughs> oh God!
1: <laughs> so, so in uh, you said you had audio book. Um, who's the um, who's who's reading it? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't even tell
2: you. I'd, it's it's not, on one of my myriad discs somewhere. I'd, I'd have to find it because it's something that I found floating around out there in the ether at some point years ago and. I started listening to it and just didn't get very far, but I couldn't tell you who it
0: was. Tell me it would be fun to have it be uh, Heston.
2: No, it's not. No, I know it's not,
0: but tell me that wouldn't be great.
2: Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, are you kidding? How about uh, about Gary Cooper? Or Roddy McDowell.
0: Gary Cooper. Gary Gary. Cooper would be a little boring. (laughs) (laughs) You've blown it up. You (laughs) maniacs. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Damn you all. Damn you all to hell.
2: Who uh if Heston hadn't been Taylor, who would who could you see playing Taylor?
1: Now, are James we talking... Franciscus. Are... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's inspired Heston You liked, know, James or, Franciscus to him. me
0: is the movie version of Monty Markham, who's the T V version. TV just just as the guy who kinda you when you see him, you're like, oh yeah, I know him, but it never stars in quite enough. Who the the hell hell is thing Martin I, Martin you don't know who Monty Markham is? He was is the seven million dollar man. Yeah. Uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't remember. You don't he, remember the seven million dollar man? I I, I may have to edit I've, this out just to keep from embarrassing you.
2: I remember
1: the episode. You would know him
0: if you saw. Him. It has been
2: so. I probably would, but it's been so long since I've seen that. I don't. I honestly don't remember.
1: You know the only other movie that I remember James Franciscus from was some type of dinosaur movie. There was like a valley of the dinosaurs or something. It was it was like a Harryhausen stop motion the animation. No, 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 no. No, no, it was like it was like he he was like a rancher and um a jolly rancher. No, the ranch no. that time forgot? No. I it's like
2: <laughs> Oh, your tongue? the man from Snowy Ranch River? <laughs>
0: No. That's no. I <laughs> Damn it! I'm gonna have to look it up. No, I'm, but I, I'm looking him up. Wasn't he
2: the one that was in Shogun?
0: Is that him or is that no? The other that was Richard. Oh, that's, that's, like, that's, yeah. that's, that's Richard, Richard uh, Chamberlain. Yeah, I always thought
2: those guys. Those were the same there. guy. You notice know. you never see them in the same place.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> is James is still alive. I didn't uh, know he was alive. Uh,
0: 1991. Uh, what? Did he really? Yeah. jeez, uh. Uh-huh. Makes you sad, doesn't it? Damn dirty heads. He was only fifty seven years old. Wow. Not, not wow. much older than Wilfred Brimley. Let's see this. When Time Ran Out. No. Killer Fish. No. That was it. What wasn't the Killer Secrets Fish? Of Three hungry <laughs> wives. Tell me that's not gonna be awesome. I'm telling you, it's gotta be what? the amazing Dobermans.
1: Hold on. Wait a minute. That was
0: Hold it? <laughs> You're gonna say it about everything, aren't you?
1: I'm looking to. I'm on IMDb. I'm trying to That's find. That's right.
0: Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Marooned, The Valley of Guanji, of oh, the Valley of Guanji, of course. How could I? Yeah, The Valley What's of Guanji. The there we go. Cowboys battle monsters. Is a valley Monster. full of bat shit?
1: <laughs> Cowboys battle monsters in the lost world of Forbidden Valley. Yeah, was that? That was 1969. That was a month after I was born. G.
0: Cowboy James. He played Tuck.
1: He Tuck. Cowboy James Franciscus seeks fame and fortune by capturing a Tyrannosaurus Rex living in the Forbidden Valley and putting it in a Mexican circus. I put a little sombrero on him.
0: I've <laughs> spent much time trying to come up with names for the characters. You got Tuck, TJ, <laughs> Champ, Nip, Champ, Carlos, Rowdy, Bean, and Lope. <laughs> I, I think those are Muppet names, aren't
1: they? Think. My name is Bean.
2: Wow, <laughs> and a Mexican circus. I'm not even. I'm that's I'm, Mexican jumping a, bean.
1: Another <laughs> fi- oh, a- another film featuring the stop action special effects talents of Ray ha- Harryhausen. So I was right. Good call. His victim called the Guanji turns out to be an aversion to being shown in public. So that was
0: the role he had to get everybody's attention so that he could play Brent. Yeah, Planet of the Apes.
1: He was hunting Tyrannosaurus rexes in Mexico. So I'm not crazy.
0: <laughs> <tonight>. <laughs> Just because you were right doesn't mean you're not crazy.
1: <laughs> no, but oh, okay. So who who could have played Heston? Now, are we talking any no, actor I played even? Heston? Not not no, tra- no. Well, Taylor. Excuse me. Who could have played Taylor other than Charlton Heston? Are we talking any actor even today or at that time?
0: Is this like an Wh- open whatever. to any
2: actor? It's an open book test. Whatever, whatever, whatever you want. Mm. I'm mm. sticking
0: with that one. That's it. That's my choice.
2: Which Ooh. one, Steve McQueen? Steve McQueen. Oh, Steve McQueen would have been good. Hmm. Steve McQueen. Let me think who else. See, I'm not real versed on on the older actors. Well, it's- um,
1: we said it could be anybody.
2: I mean, Shatner comes immediately <laughs> to mind for me.
0: Pee-wee Herman. <laughs> you cut out his brain. <laughs>
2: uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to Orson, Wells.
0: It <laughs> Orson Welles. Orson Welles. <laughs> I could see him doing the noob part. <laughs> Tony Curtis. Actually, I, I, Orson
1: Welles would have made a good Dr. Zeus.
0: Yeah, he would have. Actually. Wasn't he approached for.? I thought it was. Well, it was Edward something? G. Robinson. Yeah. 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 yeah you want like it yeah, fine, Taylor? Any? Yeah, see? <laughs> I didn't say it was the frog. <laughs> what, Jerry Lewis? Huh? <laughs> hey, Ted. <Jay>, hey, Nova! <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, good. That's my pick. Person. Jerry Lewis.
0: Jerry Lewis is Taylor. Uh, you know right. what? I, I'm and happy the with apes and the monkeys. <laughs> what, Paul? So I'm happy with my first choice. I'm happy with Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. I think he I think he could have so long as he gets a bullet car
2: to drive, that would be freaking awesome. And he runs the apes over.
1: Hmm. Oh, I want to have Jerry Lewis as the guy that gets lobotomized. Hey house. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> My brain and the pain and the stuff and the hurting and the cutting. Hi, Dr. Anyway, well, well, all right, well, Are we what ready for
2: doing? <laughs> I, I actually have a little, uh, little pre-written thing here that uh, I thought would set us up nicely for what we're going to cover this time around.
0: Right. Is Do it
2: just from 20th Century Fox? No, this is this is oh, me. Okay. I, I wrote this up myself. <laughs> oh, by myself. I'm so proud. <laughs> I had a crayon <laughs> and a big sheet of paper. So this time around for the, uh, for the second week of Back to the Vins uh, Apes Month, we are covering the Adventure Comics Planet of the Apes series. Now, that ran for 24 issues as far as the series proper. Uh, the first 12 issues of the series focused on Alexander, who was the grandson of Caesar and his struggles to hold Ape City together against various threats, including the warmongering of Olo, a gorilla who practically worshipped the long-dead Aldo from Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Aldo Nova? Hmm?
1: No, never mind. That was an 80s group. Aldo Nova? Like, it was just fantasy? Never mind.
2: I'll shut up now.
1: I know I know Herman Hero and Luke Eddie got that.
2: Nah, I did not get it. Sorry. Aldo right. Nova, is that what you said? Yeah. I wonder um, if it, they took their name from Apes characters. Hmm. Those are both Apes characters. Yeah, both I Boston didn't think of Nova. that. You know, kind of like uh, what was that group? Um, Lily Vanilli? Shit, all I can think of is Ponfar, Far, and I know uh, that's not right. You know, that took their name oh, from a Sapow. Yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: <clears throat> While you talk, I'll way. look up Aldo Nova. <laughs>
2: Along the way, there was an innovative first-person perspective issue, number six, in which we became ReDoor, a welcome uh, new arrival to Ape City, where we are shown the sights and introduced to the main characters. There was an equally innovative Christmas issue, too. But the regular series shifted focus with issue number 13, which was a comedy issue that spotlighted a pair of apes who had uh, been Bill and Ted style background characters in the regular series. Issues 14 through 17 were a mini-series within the series that once again brought astronauts to the planet of the apes, where they are hunt- uh, hunted and relentlessly pursued. This time, it was a woman and two male astronauts. The story focuses not only on their struggle to adapt and survive in a world turned upside down, but also becomes a which man will, uh, will she choose love triangle type story. Uh, it's not bad, but the series does lose some serious steam at this point. Uh, beginning with issue 18 and going through issue 20, they're uh, they're all one-offs, and the series concluded with a four-parter spread over issues 21 through 24 that, quite frankly, I couldn't get through. Uh, while the series has its ups and downs, it is a solid read for at least the first dozen issues. And well worth adding to any Apes collection. In addition, Adventure published five four-issue miniseries, a one-shot, and even an annual, making them the most prolific publisher of new Planet of the Apes material thus far. In the comic book medium, anyway. Uh, by far, the standout issue of the regular 24-issue series, uh, again, in my opinion, is number 19. That's the issue that uh, I'm going to be covering uh, a little bit later in the show tonight. But that's a little bit of history on uh, Adventure Comics' Planet of the Apes. So who's uh, who's going first with this one?
0: Uh, I think it's uh, me. It is you. All right. So for lack of any reason other than I didn't know which p- issue to pick, I took the first issue in the series which was released in April of 1990 had a price of 250 had a cover uh drawn by Tom Baxter and Dale Keon and it's kind of a strange looking cover if you ask me it's got a uh i guess it's a gorilla <laughs> and he's sneering at the reader and there's a giant pile of human remains behind him the story is titled Beneath. It's written by Charles Marshall, penciled by Kent Burles inked by Barbara Kalberg, lettered by Clem Robbins, and edited by Dan Danko, Chris Ohm, and Mickey Villa, or Via. I don't know. And the uh, colorist in this one is non-existent because it's a black and white issue. The story opens up with General Olo, who Scott mentioned already, and he's got kind of a strange looking war outfit on and he's basically yelling at some humans saying listen to your master General Olo you live to serve me and now one of you is about to die for me and then we see there's a kind of a narrow pit and there's two humans in there uh, who are basically being forced to have a a gladiator fight with all of the gorillas lined up up top watching Uh, the battle ends all too quickly So in uh, response to this, Olo has two apes go down to battle each other. And they're kind of outraged by it based on the lore of ape shall never kill ape. But eventually one of them, and I assume they're both gorillas, but they're drawn in a way where I can't tell for certain. On that premise of ape shall not kill ape, drops his knife and says, you are my brother and I cannot fight you, which is promptly met with the other ape killing him at that point uh, general olo is approached by a soldier who mentions that the camp doctors cannot find the reason that his son can't speak and olo says after ape city falls i will do to my son what i should have done when he was born i will crush the lifeless the voiceless life from him at that point we cut to alexander who again he's a chimpanzee he's cornelius uh, caesar's grandson uh, but from the drawing, I wouldn't have known if he was a chimp or a... Uh, I, I wouldn't have known what he was, actually, to be honest with you. He could have been any of the uh, any type of ape. And he's sitting with a drink, and he's feeling the pressure of being Caesar's grandson and feeling that he doesn't have the right answers for anything. And he takes a bust of Caesar's head, and he smashes it on the ground. Uh, at that point, uh, his friend comes walking in... Uh, and I'm trying to remember his friend's name, Jacob. Jacob who is Jacob uh, Marley, <laughs> who's Paul Williams's son and uh, Virgil's son. <laughs> and he tries to give him some counsel and ultimately uh Abraham decides that in order to find his own path he'd have to start by uh following Caesar's path, footsteps into the forbidden zone. And then we cut to General Olo's son who is grunt he's as we said he's he cannot speak and two guerrilla soldiers start to taunt him by shooting their guns at his feet and he responds by brutally killing the two of them (laughs) next we cut to a uh an ape school where the ape teacher is teaching math and asking the class what's eight plus nine and there's a young human who's watching the class unknown unknown to them and he's able to answer the question even though none of the apes can his mother grabs him and drags him away his name is simon by the way and she tells him that he should not not do that in front of the apes that if they know that he can understand and that he's that intelligent they'll treat him as a threat and kill him she sends him down into the basement so that he could read and while he's down there reading I, Gorilla, uh, he hears noise up above, and it turns out that apes came in and killed his mother. So next we cut to the Forbidden Zone, where uh, Jacob and Abraham are on their trek. They run Alexander. Across... Alexander, <laughs> excuse me. I said Abraham? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and they run across a, a kind of a gnome uh, who attacks them. It turns out that he's a human pet of a pregnant woman who is named and i'm losing my names here curie yeah we'll uh, we'll go with that and she's her pet and he's protective of her and that's why he attacks them but then he stops once they start speaking to two of them speaking to her and she decides to accompany them into the forbidden zone because her husband went there next the gorillas raid the armory in a scene familiar from uh battle for the planet of the apes the gorillas take a uh take the guns and attack a human settlement. And then we quickly cut to the Forbidden City again, which is actually probably the best drawn shot in the book is just the crumbling buildings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they go in and they're as they're walking through, they find the ape, ape management complex and eventually they're attacked by some mutants and they are very mutated looking and they have to escape from the mutants and at that point guess who decides to have her baby <laughs> <laughs> just just as the uh as they're being attacked these aren't those uh latex what mask wearing no, no, robe wearing find things Tut among these guys <laughs>
2: And they look like the what are the the molmens people, the moloids
0: or whatever. Yeah, that's closer to what. Or or what's the thing from uh, the Morlocks? Morlocks. Yeah, that's not bad. The last scene is uh, of Jacob saying, uh, "Corey's about to give birth." Alexander, Max has fainted from the heat and the excitement. Thank you, Max. So, what's your (laughs) plan, Alexander? And it says next escape, which. Lends itself to mention at this point. This issue was called Beneath. The next issue is called Escape. Guess what the issue after that is called? Bar Mitzvah. Got it. <laughs> and that's where it leaves off for next issue. <laughs> Bar Mitzvah of the planet. Sorry. Now I found <laughs> that should be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mazel Tov. I, I found this issue to be very similar in tone to the first issue of the Marvel series. Not the story itself, obviously it hits some different beats and different story, but the tone and the overall adventure is very, very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, But where this one falls short of that one by far is in the artwork. I don't like the way the apes are rendered in the story at all. No, no. No, sometimes they look uh, like on the cusp of
1: or maybe it was one of the other ones I read. There's maybe and maybe it's not this way. It's one of the later ones. They look almost Jack Kirby ish, but not yeah. good enough to be Jack
0: Kirby ish. Yeah, I find that to be an insult to Jack Kirby personally. Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying about the, the line work on the faces a little bit.
2: No, I completely agree with Bill. You look at the very first page, the title splash page. Clearly, the artist is aping Jack Kirby. Um,
0: no, no pun intended. No
2: pun intended. Yeah, it's and on P- poor man's Jack Kirby, That's but it is clearly supposed to be Kirby. It's Kirby influenced. I'll say. It's, I wouldn't argue that. I Especially s- on
1: page five and six with Alexander Smash and smashing the Bus of Caesar, those really look yeah like Jack Cause, Kirby. Yeah, because look at look at like the I don't know what the hell that thing is supposed to be behind
2: Alexander, but that's a Kirby machine. That's like a classic Kirby design. Oh, back I,
0: there. I didn't even see
1: that. Yeah, you
0: yeah. Know, it looks. I, I, I don't know if I it's supposed to be an alarm
1: exactly clock accurate.
0: or what's that. <laughs> I think what you said is accurate. I think that uh, what's his name here, uh, Kent Brolis, is trying. To be like Kirby, I think he's being influenced by Kirby, but I think his talent level falls well, well short of. Oh Kirby. yeah,
2: yeah. I think his, you...
0: his his attention to anatomy and perspective is bad.
2: but Page five, the uh, the third panel there, the bust of Caesar. Again, very Kirby. Cur- this reminds me. The way that that bust is drawn reminds me of something that you would see in Commandy which Mm -hmm. I I think is probably the strongest uh, artistic influence on the look of this is this seems to me like he is particularly enamored of Kirby's work on Commandy and and trying to do like a riff on that. And it just doesn't quite work because the problem is all of the apes look like gorillas. So I have a, a horrible time telling not only the chimps from the gorillas, but, later on in the series there are characters that we find out later are actually orangutans that I, I had no friggin idea that they were an orangutan so in this instance the black and white doesn't help the book at all because you can't tell the species apart actually it was jacob
1: yeah because jacob I, would I, be if he's uh, virgil's son he would be a, an orangutan wouldn't he
2: yeah. See, not being familiar enough with the characters in battle, I, I actually uh I'm grateful to you, Paul, that you pointed out that when he says Virgil, my father told me that blah blah blah, I didn't realize that Virgil was um Paul Williams what's that? Paul Williams character in, in battle. I completely missed that. So that means that Jacob himself is an orangutan, and I don't see that in the art.
1: He's
0: also no. got
2: this
1: pointy head thing going. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the humans. Yeah. Like the gnome looking guy even has somewhat of a pointy head.
2: Yeah, all the guys, they, they have like a real doughy mouth and face, and then all their their heads all taper up to a point. They're all like cone head apes or something. <laughs> Which there's a crossover I'd love to see. <laughs> cone heads on the planet of the apes would be awesome. Consume mass bananas. <laughs> But then you look at uh you look at page twelve, that second panel there of the ape teacher doesn't look bad. That actually looks like uh Dr. Zayas right there. So I don't know the I wouldn't say the art's bad. It's
1: inconsistent. inconsistent. Yeah. It's, see, I would say it's bad.
2: I, I think this is indicative of indie books though. I mean indie books typically suffer from this sort of thing with with either outright bad or at the very least inconsistent art it does get better but artistically speaking the book didn't really look good until this guy was gone but unfortunately about the time this guy leaves is also the time that they shifted the book as far as the what the narrative was about and that didn't help it either unfortunately
0: Uh, i also find that it does a poor job of setting a tone as far as the shadows and uh, the moodiness goes, because it's also very inconsistent there. Some of them are very dark, and then it goes to very, very bright, and he, he's using the shadows in some places, and he's not using it in others. There's really not a consistent tone throughout the book at all. Right. And, and I, I just think, it's it's almost the polar opposite of the book last week by Mike Plug, where he took real advantage of the black and white uh, in, in, in to the extent that you wouldn't even you wouldn't have wanted them to add any color to it because it would have taken away from it, right? In the, in this book, color color certainly wouldn't hurt. Mm. This, I, like I said, I don't think it's a I don't think it's consistent throughout as far as the uh, the artwork goes, the pacing goes, the anatomy goes, the faces go. It's just to me, it's bad, right? The yeah, uh, you, if-
1: go ahead what, If you look at the back cover, I mean, you could see the artist that did the back cover was a different, um, well, and the front cover for that matter. But on the back cover, you've got uh, uh, Tom Baxa did the back cover and the coloring. And that's plainly a, a gorilla, an orangutan, and a chimpanzee. And you can tell the difference. Now, I don't know if it's... You know what? Maybe if you bleached out the color and made it black and white, it would be harder to tell. But even... No, because the gorilla's got the more pronounced nose. The orangutan has the, yeah. I mean, yeah. The art inside is just not not consistent, and I think page ten has to be the worst, uh, um, the worst uh, a- example of that with uh, with grunt when he lunges out at the other guys. I mean, the, the head is just... Everything is way out of proportion. Yeah, the perspective
0: is, is bad on it. Although, the one thing it does accomplish in that shot is it shows the ferocity. Oh, yes. I'll yeah. give it credit for that. But otherwise, it's... Just the whole perspective is bad. The uh, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and apparently
1: so is Scott. No, I'm here. Um... <laughs> Did, did so, you guys read much of the of the series on this? Yeah. Well, I went ahead a couple issues past this, and then I kind of jumped to the end. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and read the middle because I was like, what? <laughs> I, <laughs> I read a couple issues I, I was past like, this, and I ran out of time. Where did these humans come from? And now from your little recap where you talked about the uh, um, the astronauts, I'm like, ah, so that's who those – I'm like, where – where, where, where did these people come from? Where did these humans right. come from? Yeah. So the, yeah. I, I, and then the, the, the series that I did kind of picks up some of the characters that are here. The little boy whose uh, mother is killed. His name is Simon. Now I'm assuming he becomes a character in my book called Simon, the butcher. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I have to guess that. And general Olo's in mind as is Alexander, Jacob and, uh, another ape that I'll save for his name. Oh, the book
0: that you're going to cover, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Now,
0: as I understand it, as the story goes on, uh, they reveal that in battle, when uh, Aldo fell from the tree, he he did not die, as was commonly uh, thought from the movie. And that he he goes on to form a rebellion group of apes, and that Olo is basically picking up from that. Mm. Right, so that's that's an interesting little thing. From a story-wise point of view, I'm giving this book a B. I, I like I like the story. I think it's 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 interesting. It moves along at a, at a brisk pace, uh, and 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 it makes you want to read more. But I'm giving the art an F. I think the art is terrible. So overall, I'm giving it a C minus.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I would probably I I agree with the B as far as the story, because it's 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 hard because I don't think the story is great. I think it could have done a much better uh, job of kind of setting a the problem with the story for me is that what the hell is it about? What what is the story going to be? It doesn't really
0: lay it out for you. See, so I would... beg to differ. I think it does. I think you, you, you're setting up basically uh, the warfare between Alexander and and Olo. Uh, you, you're setting up the whole subplot with the uh, mute son, who I assume at some point is going to go against Olo. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you, I, I think you, 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 got... You, know, you, you got a couple of subplots going on there. I think it it really does lay some groundwork for the story to move on.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you've got okay. Al- Alexander's uh, doubts as a leader living up to the legacy of his father Caesar, grandfather. Right. Gr- oh, sorry, grandfather. I thought he was. Oh, okay. Right.
2: No, I- I'll give you that. I-, I do enjoy the story. I was. I remember just being really happy that there were new Apes books coming out. So for that reason alone, I probably tend to give it more of a pass. Art is really a tough one on on this because I don't I don't like it mm-hmm. but see I don't like it because of the Kirby influence. I'm not a Jack Kirby fan, especially the the era of Kirby it's pulling from. And so when it's poor man's Kirby, it makes it even that much worse for me. I know it gets better, but judging this just as this one single issue, I would probably give the art, uh, I don't know, I would give it a C only because it's functional. I can understand pretty much everything that's going on. It's not the kind of indie art where I look at a panel and go, I have no idea what the hell I'm even looking at. At least I can follow the narrative. I know what's going on. So it's functioning. It's just not exactly aesthetically pleasing. To, to my eye, but I can follow it, so I'll, I'll say a nice middle of the road C as far as that goes. Um, the weird thing about this book is that it, it frequently featured really nice covers or like a pinup style image or something like that, and the art in those was almost always better than the interior art, which always bugs me, particularly with indie books. I'll, I'll generally I'll forgive that with books like from the big two, because I've just come to expect that with them. But with indie bug, you know, indie books, it always bugs me because it's like, if you could get those guys to do this, then why didn't you get them to do the interior? Clearly, you knew that they were better than the interior artists because that's why you had them do the cover. So have them do the book, but they, they seldom do in something like that. I guess it just costs more or something to get the really pretty <laughs> art on the cover or something. I don't know, but... But uh, it was not a it was not a bad series. I, I I did find things to enjoy in it. It was definitely one of the wackier um, interpretations of the apes, though, in in some aspects.
0: But as first issues go, eh, it wasn't too bad. What was yeah. uh? Do you remember in in the show the Herculoids? It was uh, like uh, the, it the the amorphous being in that that kind of made like a right with, like a jiggly sound like I can't even. Yeah, that's the way I expect the to gleep. sound in this.
1: Yeah, glop and gleep, Igu, <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, Igu was the big stone ape. Igu
0: was, yeah, the stone ape. Ah, he, was ah, ah. he
1: was constantly smoking the ganja. He <laughs> was just,
0: I'm just toking up all the then time. Then you had
1: the the big dragon they flew that had to shot the beams from its eyes and its tail. I can't remember. Zod? Zod? I do not know. And then the, uh, the, uh, the... Rhinoceros-looking thing that shot the laser. Is shot that also the, stone? I don't know if it was stone, but he shot things out of his forehead, like a horn, horn out of his forehead. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, but I'm uh-huh. I'm just talking about the blob one. Sorry. The, the the sound that it made. That's the sound I picture from the mutants here. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway,
1: uh, I guess my grade. Uh, if you taking the back and front cover out of the mix then interior art. eh. It does convey the story. I think I'm going to go with Scott and go with a C on this
0: one. Damn, nobody wants to go with me.
1: (laughs) And I'm, well, I'm going to give it a B for for the story, too. Because, I mean, I kind of like the continuation of the story. uh, You know, because this is filling in between uh, Battle and Planet, actually. Right. So, um, you know, it's nice to see, you know, how that's going to get 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 to there. So, uh, you know, I guess that puts it at what? C plus, B minus, or uh, C plus. I'm I'm not going to go higher than a C plus. But the covers are A's. If you threw that in, then it would move it up. But, but that's not fair on this one.
0: I think. So I wouldn't give this cover an A. I like the back cover really more than uh, the front yeah, cover. Yeah, I actually prefer the back cover to the front cover.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I think there were multiple editions of this too, because I want to say that this came out post Legends of the Dark Knight, and so it jumped on that whole multiple cover craze. And I I think there were multiple covers where the the paper strip that was attached to the cover. I think there were different colors of that, similar to the the Legend of the Dark Knight. You know, had the four different colors. But also, yeah. I think there was also a deluxe edition that was more expensive than the regular number one, I, I think. I could be wrong about that. But I So there are right.
0: multiple covers out there as well, I believe. Well, it's, it's, I, I, there's a, an alternate cover by J.W. Somerville. Mm-hmm. And on that one, it's got a cover price of $5. So it's double right. the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the deluxe one. Yeah, and that other than the excess and, and that we've talked about in past, back to the bins episodes of the '90s, that's the other thing about the '90s that's just bad is the, uh, you know, the, the the urge to just milk the readers for every dime they can get out of them.
1: Yep. We gimmick
0: everything up. On yeah, mm-hmm. on the pretense that somehow this is going to be worth more because it's a limited edition. Ooh. <laughs>
2: Didn't typically work out that way,
0: though. No, no, nobody's sending their kids to college based on the comics they bought in the nineties. <laughs> no.
1: Well, who's got the next book? Uh, you want to go with mine, since yours sure. is kind of a standalone, away from this series proper. Sure. Okay. Uh, mine is a uh, is Ape Nation number one which is actually a crossover of two properties that 20th Century Fox uh, had at the time, and that was the movie Alien Nation, which I'm sure everybody, most of the people listening are are somewhat familiar with that movie, with uh, when you had the race of uh, aliens that came to Earth in a spaceship, uh, they were called the Newcombers, uh, the newcomers, yes, they were cucumbers, giant cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to get in the book. Then we'll talk about alienation afterward. Um, and uh, the book was called Ape Nation. Of course, now go and there we go. It was uh, Ape Nation, and on the cover we have uh, a. Uh, one of the aliens I just met mentioned, one of the newcomers, are the Tectonese. We are Tectonese, if you please. And an ape. And this cover, oddly enough, has nothing to do somewhat with the inside because there's not a lot of uh, gunplay in this particular issue. Um, but I'm sure we'll see it later. But you know, you've got a Tectonese with a overcoat with a couple handguns and a big-ass gorilla behind him with a shotgun with a couple bandoliers of ammo across. And looks like they are ready to go to town. And somebody has uh, smashed up a Coca-Cola machine behind them, too, and in the in the rubble of the city. And this was a uh, cover price of two fifty, And this is put out, obviously, by Adventure Comics because we're in Adventure Comics Week. And our writer was Charles Marshall. And our pencil art is by MC Wyman, which uh I got a little side discussion for you and I, Paul, because you and I have seen MC Wyman art, but you may not have realized it. I don't know if you researched that.
0: I did not, so I'm curious okay. to hear what you're gonna say later.
1: And Terry Pollitt is the inker, Clem Robbins is the letterer, Dave DeVeers is the interior coloring, Dave Dorman is the color uh, the cover illustrator. Dave Olbrock Brick is the publisher. Chris Olm is editor-in-chief, Mickey Villa and Dan Danko are the editorial assistants, and Tom Mason is the creative director. We open with an ape scroll tells the musings of an ape that looks to travel outside of Ape City, especially now that he has heard the strange tales taking place far away, the ape named, wait for it, Heston goes to relay his story to a group of council members and we actually see the council members the people that we had just mentioned in the previous uh uh, issue that paul covered we see alexander and jacob on the council and uh they await a story to the side on a course of action he tells them of travelers who were searching for a human named simon the butcher Uh Aha, Simon, see, little kid from the other book, who had killed one of their group. While looking far past the Forbidden Zone, they witnessed what they thought at first was a missile of death their forefathers had spoken of. Instead, they were faced with a sight that shook their hearts with fear. We see a round craft had landed and large, strange-looking, rather tall humanoids with no hair and spotted heads emerged. The apes quickly left to return to Ape City and warned them. The council now argues who shall go to investigate Heston volunteers and goes on. I guess we could call it an ape montage sequence gathering the ape team, a small overpacked ape named Packer, a Zen like fighter of the light feet named Winnipeg and the obligatory hard case riding in prison for various crimes named Roto before they can set out on an Sat out an anxious anxious ape named Bartholomew Asked to go with them to see the world And Bartholomew is actually, I believe, Jacob's nephew Uh, Heston tells him he could never travel with a Bartholomew Which visibly saddens the small ape But he could travel with a Bart And the boy rushes off to tell his parents And our group is now set Meanwhile, an unholy alliance is forming far from Ape City General Olo, follower of Aldo, killer of apes, Simon the Butcher, slayer apes, and a third, an alien named Donata, which doesn't that mean something in Spanish?
0: Donata? Means you're welcome. Or no. think nothing of it. Like if you no. say, somebody says gracias, you say not Okay. They have come here together to scheme.
1: Simon, though, is not up to speed as Olo, so he is filled in by in exposition style by the newcomer Donata. He is a member of a race called the Tectonese. They are smarter and stronger than either the humans or apes due to their breeding as slaves. The Tectonese were shipped to other worlds, and the fleet he was in went off course, and their ship drifted away from the others and fell into the gravity of a black hole. The captain, Khan, spelled C-A-A-N,
0: risked traveling through it on a theory. Well, now, just to interrupt you, Khan. Is James Caan who was an alienation, you know, like Heston. I missed that. I that you you are so right. I totally missed
1: that. Thank you. Okay, now okay. So now this has to be one of the longest stretches of dialogue I have ever seen in a comic book. So here I go, Ace Ventura style. <sighs> Over the years, I've heard of some of the theories of of Khan's theories about the theoretical possibility for causally violation of the context of classical general relativity time travel, if you will. According to Khan, a black hole's expansive creates... An expansion creates a high field region of distorted space-time. The presence of matter in a region of space-time causes nearby light rays to bend in the direction of the matter. The matter is rotating as our ship has further distorts space-time in its vicinity, creating a dragging effect which bends the light in the direction of the rotating as if the mass, including, is being big enough. The rotation is fast enough then the light. is bent so far that the coordinated used to measure space-time and used to measure the time become interchanged. <sighs> in other words, the rules of space and time have become intertwined so that by moving through space is... Oh, screw this. And it goes on and on and on and on. And on and on. <laughs> so, basically, Donata. <laughs> basically, did I was only halfway through. I know. I was just going to say, you were only halfway through all that shit, too. Man,
2: who wrote this? Roy Thomas?
1: <laughs> it goes right down from the top, from the top of the page all the way to the bottom of the page. And there's two pictures on each side. One of Donata holding his hands out and the other of his brother, Khan. Uh, Kane, Khan. Uh, strung up like a piece of meat. So basically Donata took over and decided that they were going to be conquerors and he, um, uh, they're going to take over this planet. General Olo, Donata, and Simon the Butcher. So now we jump ahead six weeks later and find the ape team is still searching out the threat to Ape City when suddenly, dun dun dun, sweat hogs. Whoops, no, sorry, death hogs. Giantly, perfectly shaved pigs that squint and furrow their eyebrows attack the group. (laughs) These big pigs are quickly sent to the market, but the ape team's rest is not long as over the horizon they see the combined army of Olo, Simon, and Donata charging towards them. And it's on like Donkey Kong as our heroes violently struggle against the tide but one by one they fall. The last page reveals that the tale has been told to us by Heston who now appears to be a prisoner strung up in the same Tectonese ship that Khan was, that came Khan was at the in the earlier long exposition laden paragraph. Next issue, pasts. So I got a lot of notes on this because, and I'm gonna jump back to what I talked about about the artist. M.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: C. Wyman. I I looked it up because this art was like I you know I one I, I think this guy is aping ha 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 pun included or intended other artists so i wanted to find out who he was this is the artist believe it or not of avengers unplugged that we did on the two-man avengers show we did oh it is yes
0: oh that's interesting and we had some issues with that artwork as well
1: yeah but it was now i don't know if it's the inker that makes it look so different
0: yeah it definitely looked different than this
1: but okay page five with all the aliens coming out out of that ship, does that not look like a John Byrne picture?
0: Yes, it does but i I think in this particular era, it was very, very common for people to try to look like John Byrne. <laughs> I mean that page and page fifteen as
1: well uh is like another burn shot with uh, where Donata has two of his guards behind him, and they both have that same burnish burnesque look to the guards and then on the next page. I swear to God, Simon looks like a Jim Starlin character. Is Simon wearing a suit of his own hair? <laughs> I don't know. If he's plucked his pubes hair, his pubes, and made a vest out of them.
0: I actually I,
2: thought he looked like... Who was the artist on that issue of Iron Man that you, you did that one time, Bill? Uh, Barry Winter-Smith? Um, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Not Bernie Wrightson. He was I think Barry, Barry Winter-Smith. Winter Smith. Yeah. If,
0: if, you, if you're going to liken the book I did to Jack Kirby... And say, it's a poor man's Jack Kirby. If you want to say this is a poor man's Barry Windsor Smith, well, just I could accept one, that.
2: Just that one panel. just well, or
0: you, Not even the whole panel.
2: Just the face on that dude and his stance looks like it is ripped off from well, Barry Windsor Smith. You know what What I hmm.
0: see is similar to Barry Windsor Smith. And you guys you guys weren't on that a- episode uh, when I did the issue of Rune. And the yeah. artwork had... Yeah. You remember the, the issue I'm talking about? Well, I, I remember Rune, the character, and I. Okay. Remember the well, the issue it. I had done it was I think it was the zero issue by Barry Windsor Smith, and the artwork had a certain dark tone to it, but in contrast to that tone, the coloring had an almost pastel look to it. Yeah, and in that particular issue, it worked, even though it was such a dramatic contrast. This issue almost seems to have that same type of coloring to it, and I don't think it works as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, some of the coloring with, especially the aliens, uh, a lot of it is pink. So I guess they like pastels. Yeah. But You know who's going to tell them?
0: <laughs> well, I Keep could understand it. why. You know, if, if you're going to if you're going to try and copy styles from people, copying you could do worse than co- trying to copy Barry Smith and, and John Byrne. Yeah. Now, But I guess
1: I guess I don't know if uh, they have an issue drawing animals because the crack I made about the pigs, there's like no detail to those animals.
0: No. They now, really look bad. Animal and, drawing is, for lack of a better word, there's a certain art to it. But uh, look at the horses on the previous page aren't that bad. But if you go
1: back a couple more to like a wolf, they the wolf just really doesn't look that great either.
0: Yeah. I I think certain artists, you know, they, they study anatomy to some extent, but they study human anatomy and they never really master the art of drawing animals. I mean the pigs look like they're popping up out of like ma- like magically
1: out of puffs of smoke. <laughs> we are the Death Hogs. Ah <laughs> and they're gone rather dispatch rather quickly and then the army that uh comes over the rise just after that now that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good shot and then the then the reaction on the next page to the, you know their reaction to the oncoming army is that they shrink down the page and there's just four tiny pictures because the other fifth guy had ran away bartholomew <laughs> there's four tiny pictures of their faces and it doesn't take up the whole page. It's like dead center in the page four small pictures and they're each reaction to what's coming. And then the, one of the last art things that I like is how, uh, it's over a two page spread as they're fighting and the dialogue goes, they each one, uh, Heston's retelling how each person falls. But as he's talking, the page at the top and then all the way over to the far corner of the second page is slowly being covered with like black ink almost like you know they're passing out or it's you know his memory's going you know until he's knocked unconscious and he's blacked out and then the final reveal is him hanging uh, by by chains in the alien ship so i mean it's got some I, I like some of the art choices but yeah it seems like it is aping haha um burn and i didn't even think of smith and but i thought more of starlin
0: there, there is a, i think there is a little bit of a starlin vibe i yeah. don't know if it looks like starlin drew it but I, I could see a little bit of the vibe there mm-hmm. is this am i reading too much into this or did he draw the ape face for heston to actually look like charlotte heston I don't know. I can't tell for sure if it's just me trying too hard to see it or if it's actually there.
1: Hmm. I'm looking at a few different ones. I'm like, ah, it's kind of hard to tell. Maybe like in page, what is that, 10, where he's reading it. Well, I don't know. You know, I hadn't really thought of
0: that. That's what I'm hmm. here for.
1: <laughs> to make me think.
0: To yeah, make your brain hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm,
2: I'm not seeing it myself, but maybe. Hmm. I
0: don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not overly enamored with the art. It's not bad, but I'm not. It, it, Does it's, it get a higher grade than the last one? Well, the last one I gave an F. It <laughs> doesn't take much to get a higher grade than that. You could tie. Well, how would you grade this one? Uh Bill, you want to go first, because it's your book? Um even with, you know, some of the
1: other influences, uh I'm gonna go with uh, B minus for the art and the story. Now I've read I haven't read all the way further, uh, but I read at least through the next issue. And there's uh actually Heston and Khan are chained up next to each other and they form a friendship and they get out of the ship and um, I don't know if you remember the uh, from the alienation series that one of the things the aliens um, can get drunk off of is spoiled milk spoiled milk yeah I do remember and that they come across a farm and there's some spoiled goat milk in a bucket <laughs> one alien starts chugging it <laughs> he gets drunk while they're fighting some of the other uh, of uh Donata's uh, group, but uh, but anyway, I'm going off on a tangent on the on the next, uh on the next it, it Issue uh, story-wise. I like the story. I like where it's going. I I think it's in, in, Interweaving the other other property pretty good. I don't know. I, I haven't finished it So I don't know if it has any lasting effects on the rest of the story um, Have you've read most of that haven't you Scott? I mean this doesn't play in o- other than the characters from the story proper are here we don't see any of the Tectonese. I'm assuming in the other books,
2: we don't. As I recall, you don't see them, but uh, the events of this miniseries are mentioned in the oh, regular okay. series. Um, I don't recall if it's necessary if it necessarily affects the narrative, but I know that it is referenced um, because I remember one of the issues specifically had a footnote that basically told you if you don't understand what the hell this character is saying then go read ape nation and it all will be oh, explained okay. so so,
1: yeah. so it is quote unquote in the adventure comics canon it's, it, yeah. yeah it's it, it's not just a standalone yeah you know oh okay cool so i yeah, would definitely. give i would give the story a b
0: overall b for the book all right once again i'm going to be the as as chris has dubbed me dr no The cover to me has that real indie look to it. Almost an underground comics kind of look. Right. It's not bad, but it's not my style, but I don't want to take away just because it's not my style. So I'm going to give that a C. Story-wise, I think it's kind of interesting, and it keeps me going, so I'm going C-plus on that. And art-wise, it tries to emulate other artists, but I think it doesn't do it as well but it's a followable story pacing is okay i'm going to say a c on that as well so overall i'm giving it a c which by my uh figuring is saying it's an average book it's worth reading nothing really special but not bad Hmm. um Yeah, I'll
2: agree with you on the cover of this book. It's uh, quintessential uh, indies uh, comic art. This reminds me of something I've seen. I just can't think of what it is. It's not a bad cover. I'm just I'm not real crazy about it. Um, The interior art I actually kind of dug though. Um, I I would say Bill said B minus. I would say between a B minus and a B because um, it's not bad. And Terry uh, Pala actually went on to uh, do some really good Star Trek stuff for Marvel um, sometime after this. And maybe MC that's not, familiar too. Yeah. Because yeah. when we looked at, uh, I think you, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the artist on that um, Star Trek Voyager mini series that we uh, looked at the one issue of back when we uh, did our Star hmm. Trek episode. Um, the one that's really hard for me to grade is the story because I don't want to be unfair to it, but I just have to come clean that I never liked alien nation. I saw the movie and thought it was incredibly boring and unoriginal and I, I never suffered the TV show at all. So it, I wouldn't really be fair in the grade on this because I, I would grade it very poorly just for lack of interest, I actually have to confess that uh, I did not read this. I did a complete read through of the Planet of the Apes series proper from Adventure, but I kind of skimmed all of the peripheral stuff, as far as the mini series, the one shot, and all that. This one I outright skipped. I flipped through it just to get a look at, you know, the art. But just had no interest because it, it, you know, it incorporates characters in a concept that I, I frankly just could not care less about. So uh, I I could not be at all uh, fair in the in, you know, grading the story because I didn't bother to read the story. So I'll just I'll leave it at that. But uh, but the art's not bad. And this was the only color series that they did. Uh, hmm. The adventure stuff because they didn't they didn't color any of the other stuff or the the series properly.
0: And yet, so, to me, the coloring takes away from the artwork a little bit. Yeah,
2: it actually. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking the same thing because M C Wyman uh, and Terry Pallet are the same artists uh, on the book that I'm going to cover, and I rather like the art in the book that I, I'm about to cover. Whereas here, I like it. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think the coloring actually distracts because it's, eh, it's it's, weird. It's that weird, faded, pastel-y kind of look, and it doesn't really work when you're doing something Planet of the
0: Apes, which should be dark, dark and earth-tony to me. Almost, you know, I, and I'm not a big fan of it, in a lot of the modern comics where they're trying to come up with, like, a more realistic style, they have that almost muddy coloring Mm -hmm. And I think that would fit this story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But bright pink colors just don't fit. (laughs) No. There's a lot of pink in this, too. Pink, purple, and yellow. Or or emerald. Yeah.
2: I agree. Well, are we ready for the last one? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. Alright, so, as I mentioned uh, prior, the book that I'm going to cover is Planet of the Apes, number 19. This was uh, an issue of the regular series. This is a one-shot issue. Uh, It says right here on the cover, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, um, a missing link to the original movie. So, uh, next week, on Two True Freaks Proper, we will be doing uh, our commentary for that particular movie conquest of the planet apes and uh this story actually serves as a kind of a prologue or it actually runs somewhat concurrently with that but I, i really like this story because it shades that in a bit so as i said issue number 19 this is the december 1991 cover dated issue cover on this is by tony harris uh, it doesn't look like Tony Harris. If I hadn't looked it up, I never would have realized who it was. He of course would go on to be the Eisner nominated cover artist for DC's Starman in the 1990s. Um, I can only guess that this must be where, uh, he was actually kind of starting out. It's not a bad cover, but it's not a great cover by any stretch of the imagination. Are they attacking the Joker on the cover? It almost looks like that, yeah, because it almost (laughs) looks like his hair is green. It's this guy towering in an alley and just going, no, while these uh, apes are gathered around him, look like they're uh, intending to do him some harm. Uh, The original cover price on this was $2.50, which was outrageous for a 1991 Um, I like the preface in this Uh, there's a little preface uh, most every issue had a little preface by uh, Charles Marshall just kind of telling you what you were in for that issue or just making some little comment about you know the world of apes but I like this one in particular it's entitled hands down and he says from what I gather the first Planet of the Apes movie seems to be the most uh, seems to be most people's favorite of the series not me. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was always my number one ape flick, uh, ape flick and rewatching it lately was the inspiration for this, this issue's tale. The first movie, as well as Escape, had their moments, but Conquest really captured the simian spirit for me. So I suggest you run right out, uh, rent it uh, if you can find it, and watch it tonight right after you finish this issue, that is. And that's from uh, Charles Marshall, dated October 1991. I just like that because it kind of sets up uh, this particular story. Again, pencil on this was M.C. Wyman. Finished art was Terry Pallet And I'm not going to bother to read all the, uh, the other credits on this one. The story is entitled Quitting Time. North America, 1991. Carson McCormick, a publisher of instructional pamphlets at Ape Management Dreams of a Simpler, Better Time, a bygone era before man had enslaved apes and when there were circuses. Unhappy in his work, unhappy at home, Carson has also begun to feel that something isn't right. He's noticed increasingly odd behavior in the apes that are ever-present in his waking life. He's becoming increasingly uncomfortable with their enslavement, And he secretly believes that the apes have too. He's begun to notice the increasing incidence of disobedience by the apes. It's like all of a sudden, one of them remembers who and what he is and snaps. And he wonders uh, what would happen if more than one or two ever got together? What would happen if a group of them got together and they remembered who they were? and what they are. Every day, there seems to be more of them, around every corner, and it makes Carson paranoid, even though he is unaware that the ape female working right in his own office is listening, comprehending, waiting, and conspiring. His wife surprises him at work, complaining that he's never home at a reasonable hour and suggests he gets another ape to help out at home. They fight, she leaves, but his resolve is set. She can cry and rant and rave and swear, but he is not going to bring another ape into his home. So on page 17 here, I really like this little uh, sequence and I'm just going to read it exactly as it's printed here. This is uh, Carson thinking to himself because most of the issue is actually his thoughts he says, I went to a speech one time at the university delivered by McDonald, the governor's number one assistant. He gave some alarming statistics showing that in just a few years, the world, it's a, it looks like a misprint, they would equal nearly one third of the city's population. He encouraged a push toward more equal rights for simians. We don't own their kind, he argued. We have made that mistake in the past. Everyone nodded their head in agreement and then went home to their orangutan prepared meal and slept on their gorilla made bed and slept the sleep of the just and nothing ever changed. Carson winds up on the couch that night and dreams of the circus, a circus that turns into a nightmare. The clowns become simians and the greatest show on earth becomes the conquest of the planet of the apes. At work early the next morning, he receives a new assignment from Ape Control. Governor Breck's office is displeased with the rising tide of ape disobedience and has thus ordered a new pamphlet, How to Terminate Your Ape. But the lure of the poster for Armando's old-time circus is too great and Carson finds himself on the phone asking about tonight's show, only to find that it has been canceled. At lunch, he learns of the death of Armando from a friend, Miles, who tells him that they've stopped shipping new apes, uh, shipping in new apes because management feels the situation is getting out of control. Just then, their gorilla waiter attacks him with a knife, emphasizing the point. But Miles avoids the blow, and the ape is subdued. Carson is shaken. Back in his office that night, Carson cannot locate his letter opener and goes to his secretary's desk to ask her if she's seen it. He finds her glued to her television. Something bad is happening. Apes have escaped from the reconditioning center. They formed a mob led by the son of Zira and Cornelius, two talking chimps who came from the future 20 years ago. And ape management is now in the hands of the apes. Carson immediately thinks of his family. He runs back into his office and frantically dials his home, waits an eternity for someone to pick up the phone, and receives only a low growl that almost sounds like a chuckle. He yells to his secretary to get in here. They may not be safe. When she does not reply, he goes back to her office, where he finds her dead on the floor, fatally stabbed. Standing over her, the office ape female, Stella, let her open her in her bloody hand. She plunges it deep into Carson's back. He staggers, falls, and the blade impales him. He thinks to himself, I never liked apes, never trusted them. Me? Give me a good old dog, say a golden retriever, even a cat. Cats were okay. Give me those carefree times of the past when apes were in zoos or half a world away. Those were the days. The good old days and he dies with his hand clutching Ormando's old-time circus poster. And that's uh, that's pretty much it for issue 19. Uh, I love this issue. It's really the one issue of the series I can truly say that about. The, the series has extreme, and I mean extreme, ups and downs. But this particular issue... Um, it has always stood out to me because i just i think it's a really well-written issue that really nicely shades in a chapter of the films i'm not particularly crazy about i'm not the biggest fan of conquest of the planet of the apes mostly because of production reasons you know budgetary reasons of course this being a comic book they can draw whatever the hell they want to so it doesn't have that cheesy we just can't afford a really good-looking set or really good-looking apes feel that the movies has. The The book can do whatever it wants. And that's to the betterment of the story here. I actually enjoy this behind-the-scenes look at what was going on concurrently with the events in the movie better than the movie itself. And, uh, and I really like this story. I, I think it's really solid. Again, the art has a bit of that that independent book feel, but you can clearly see where these guys are, are honing their craft and and getting better. It's not great art, but it's not bad either. In a lot of instances, I actually think it's very reminiscent of uh, of Kyle Baker, who was never one of my favorite artists, but I respect the guy's work. I mean, he, he had a, you know, he had a very distinct style and, in a lot of instances, it's almost like these guys are, uh, are imitating that style as well, either consciously or subconsciously. There's also a little bit of, um, of, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Tom Mandrake in here as well. And particularly in the, uh, in the sequence where Carson's talking to his child in his office, but, I really like this. The art when we're focused on the ape characters is, uh, is very dark. It's very moody and it, and it makes you uncomfortable. Coupled with the dialogue boxes, you know al- al- almost the entire issue is a like a mental monologue from Carson. It's Carson thinking these things so there's not a lot of actual dialogue most everything is in his head and what he's thinking coupled with the images we see of the different apes and the little conspiratorial looks that they give and you can see essentially by their looks that they're kind of working it out you know they're they're forming a plan and it really gives a nice creepy claustrophobic Oh, you you guys are all gonna get it in the end, kind of feel to it. And so when he does get it in the end, it comes as a real blow because for one, you you've kind of felt it coming, but you also felt like maybe he would escape from this because he was kind of a good guy. He he saw what was going on and didn't agree with it, but he still ends up getting you know the the letter opener in the back at the end of the story when the apes revolt. So you kind of feel bad for the guy at the end of it, or at least I did, anyway. But uh, I I like it. I thought it's a it's a really good solid story. Uh, I would give it a solid uh, I'd give it a solid A for the story. The art, um, I I think I'd go with the same grade from the last book with these guys. Well. Maybe I'd go with a B. I think we went with a B minus on the last one. I'd go with a B on this. It, there's still definitely room for improvement, but I like the art quite a bit. So I'd say a B for the art, definitely an A for the story. Um, I don't know what for the cover, because I really don't care. I wish I had a, a better cover on I don't care for this cover much at all, but... Uh, a really solid story, and uh, I-, I would encourage uh, any Apes fans out there that are looking for a really good, you know, one-shot Apes comic, pick this particular issue up because uh, I-, I definitely think this is the best one of the whole
0: series. What did you guys think of it? I really liked this. I thought the story was awesome. I think it's chilling is the word mm-hmm. I keep coming up with. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. You, you. I mean, I think you hit it on the head. He sees it coming. And if if you're thinking about it as you read it, you know what happens is inevitable. Right. That, you know, he sees it, but he's powerless to do anything to turn the tide. Right. In fact, every time he even has an inkling of a thought.
1: Well, he's so kind of in a little bit of denial, I think. But, it,
0: but even, even when he thinks about, oh, you know, I don't want another ape, he's getting pressure from his wife to get another ape. You know what I mean? It's like he can't even escape it at home. Mm-hmm. He can't walk away with it. He can't say, I see this coming. Let's get rid of the apes in the house. Let's get rid of apes. So this way, if there is a revolt, they're not on top of us like that. He's just powerless to do anything about it. And you know, it's going to come. And to me, it's inevitable. Well, Uh, see, I like your word
2: chilling because what chills me in this story, I think that's a great word to, to focus on. What chills me in this story is that apes works best for me when it, when it serves as some sort of, like it holds a mirror up to us as a people. Uh, That's where it really works for me, the different allegories and the things that are in the different films. And the allegory in this that I see is that haven't we all as as working men and fathers and husbands been in this position before where you didn't like what was going on, you didn't necessarily agree, but somehow you're just kind of stuck in the system And so you kind of feel powerless to do anything about it, even when you don't like it. So you just kind of go with the flow. And in this particular instance, going with the flow proves to be fatal for him. And that's a powerful thing. And Mm -hmm. and it really is unsettling and chilling in this story that he's a likable guy and he doesn't like what's happening, but there's nothing he can do about it. And in the end... He ends up paying the same price as the assholes that are that are actually making the, the apes do these actions. And that's sad for him
0: because he didn't really do anything to deserve it. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. it, and that's why I kept coming back to that word. Uh the artwork is inconsistent. Uh yeah. The 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 dark chilling shots of the and again I'm using that word of the apes. Are very effective uh, they use the real heavy lines, you know a lot of a lot of dark shadows uh, and and make them look scary even when they're not being violent uh, otherwise it's very light, but i, I don't know it just kind of loses some of its effect on on the I think the whole the whole story should be very dark instead of doing it the way they did it uh, so i'm I'm a little off on the story. On the artwork, rather, um, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm giving the writing an A. I'm giving the art a C plus. Uh, I would go lower, except for some of the shots of the apes are so good that I'm giving it the plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cover, I'm giving a D. I, I don't think the cover it, it doesn't make you want to pick up the book. It doesn't give you any inkling of what's going on inside of it, and the lettering on it is. Incredibly cheap-looking, mm-hmm. so it—if it, you pick it up, you're expecting a sub—a a subpar product just because of the lettering, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, so I—I I, I don't think the uh, cover is indicative of what you're getting inside. Uh, overall, I'm giving this a solid B.
1: Yeah, when—when when you had picked this book and. You had said somewhat about what it was going to cover, and then I saw this cover and went, "What the heck?" Oh, I hope the inside's better than this cover. Yeah, I I don't I'm I don't like this cover at all. The anatomy of his of the hands on the Joker is just <laughs> way way off, and even that one ape to the left, its hands are all effed up, and its head is stretched way back. It's just re- I just didn't like this at all. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the story that, yeah, the, the story is just, just chilling is no better word. And the last page, because, um, well, actually the next, to last page where he dies, did, did you notice what actually happens when he, he gets stabbed in the back, he's reaching for it. He falls back. He lands on his desk and pushes the letter opener, comes through yeah. his chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just like, oh my. Yeah, because it's not, the ape did not push the letter opener through his chest.
0: It was when he fell and it, 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 it comes through and that's just really, woof. I and love then, the shot on the page before of Stella where her face is all in shadows and all you see is her, her teeth, teeth, teeth and teeth her eyes. And eyes. Yeah. yeah. That just conveys the scariness of the story to me.
1: Mm-hmm and um, and the last the the very last page is actually kind of sad because it, you're you're thinking that to me I picture this as like his last dying thought is right. of is of the circus the because circus. he's thinking of the circus and he's talking about the smell of the popcorn and the sawdust and you know it's it's very it's very sad to you know i you know i I hate to be uh melancholy you know i sometimes wonder what my last thought may be you know will it be some you know something from your childhood or you know it's just just you know it just gives you pause pause for thought you know i mean it kind of takes it, it took me a little bit out of just a story and more into you know what would my own dying thought be would it be of childhood would it be of my children what would it be and right. uh, but so i mean uh, the story yeah the story is an a um, the art we're seeing I'm, I'm seeing shades of Avengers unplugged in some of these pictures. <laughs> like right. on pa- page page 25 at, at, at the bottom where hes uh, where he's screaming that definitely looks like one of the characters we saw in that other issue we did, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the page before it, the character's there. the guy that's doing the nightly news is, is looks totally different. Very mm-hmm. detailed, you know. It's 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 a little inconsistent. So you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with a B.
0: I'm just gonna, I'm gonna jump in for just a second. I think some of the inconsistency is intentional. I think they're trying to create a contrast between the scary apes and the otherwise bright life. Uh, I don't think it works as well as they'd like it to, but I think that's what they're trying to do. Mm. I think it's intentional inconsistency. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, the book's a solid
1: B. I agree. I Um, almost wonder... Mm -hmm. That's not counting the cover. I'm not even counting the cover, because if you did that, it would bring it down lower. But, you know, you take the cover out, it's a B. I
2: almost wonder if some of the art isn't like swiped from other places, which would lend into the the inconsistent look of the art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I, I see so many different art styles and artists in here as I flip through the book, and and on, yeah, uh, we saw
1: that from Wyman in 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 my book. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we thought uh, we saw three different artists there.
0: On page 14, the very bottom shot of, of his son. What's up with that?
2: Uh, that? That, to me, and the one across from it on page, the last panel, page 15, the son looks to me like it's drawn by Tom Mandrake.
0: So, the son almost looks uh, like, uh, what was the... Uh, I did it in one of, one of our early books, the, the, the ragdoll... Uh, DC, uh, right? Not Ragman from the '60s. The
2: uh, oh, Brother Power,
0: Brother Power. He almost looks like Brother oh. Power the geek. Hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. I like that the uh, the ringleader when he keeps having his little circus nightmares and dreams. The ringleader looks like Marvel's
0: ringleader from the
2: Circus of Crime.
0: <laughs> he just needs the uh, the concentric circle thing on his hat.
2: Yeah. I do like this story, though. Yeah. I've liked this one since the the first time I've read it.
0: Well, I remember you uh, and I were hmm? talking about Conquest a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think it made it onto a show, but I was telling you how when I was, however old I was when I saw Conquest, probably nine or ten years old, that I actually found it a little scary at the time. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I think this... Captures what what I found scary about that. Mm-hmm. I I I think that brings me back to that. I think that's what I find so chilling about it is that it 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 it, it captures that feeling that that I had when I watched the movie as as a very you know very young boy. And then, yeah, and there's always something that's enjoyable about recreating a feeling from when you're young. Definitely. The nostalgia that it that it brings back for you. So for it to create that feeling, for it to capture that spirit of what I saw as the essence of that movie, uh, really is one of the biggest reasons why this is an A, as far as I'm concerned. And just like I said, the whole inevitability of it is really what keeps coming back to me. No matter what he's going to do, it doesn't matter. He's going to end up with that uh, letter opener in the back. Right. Mm I don't know if this has ever been reprinted anywhere, but I
2: do know that I have seen this particular issue in many a 50 cent bin. So anybody that's interested in reading it, you know, if you just keep your eyes open for it and again, ignore the cover, you know, don't, don't find it in a bin and go, well, I know I heard about it on the show, but man, this covers horrid. I'm not picking that up. No, pick it up. Cause it's really, really good. You know, just, you got to kind of ignore the goofy cover on it cause it's. It's kind of a sloppy cover. It's really not not a great cover at all. And it's funny to think that this guy, this artist, would go on to be, uh, you know, Eisner nominated several times, as I recall. Because uh, you yeah, know, this is this is not his best work, but I'm pretty sure this is him starting in the business too. And some of his early Starman covers were not all that great either, as I recall. But he got better. <laughs> But yeah, I really like this issue a lot. And it's funny because this was from right at the tail end of the uh, adventure series proper and the tail end of the series is not good. So it, it's weird because like the first dozen issues, pretty consistent. It's It's telling a pretty straight up narrative of Alexander and his people. And then after that, they just went to a series of one shots and minis within the series that <laughs> you know were just of varying quality and this was really the only one that that really jumps out in the entire series as a as a real you know, just straight up really
1: solid issue so you don't want to comment on the next issue 20 was that the ape riders Oh, yeah with the so with the ape bad. that looks like jonah hex on the front cover yeah it was so bad the,
2: the cover is really good the cover was really good on that one yeah but yeah,
1: yeah. The, and i well i think that's another tony uh yeah that's another t- that's Tony. that's right has, yeah
2: that's right then that one
1: looks a lot better i mean but i think because it's more stylistic than yeah. than the one on this issue but yeah the uh well i i open it up and it's cowboys and Simeons is the inside title yeah and there and they literally look like straight out of a western.
2: Yeah, one looks like Billy
1: Jack, the one's got a bowler good. on his head. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, not not good stuff. Not good stuff at all. Yeah. It it was very inconsistent there for a while. Actually, looking at the issue before this is the one um Planet Apes number 18. Is the one where it's referenced right in the very first page, that it says this, this story takes place immediately after the events chronicled in the Ape Nation miniseries. So there you go. There's your reference right there.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. From the cover of that issue, it looks like it's uh, John Carter.
1: Yeah. Ape Lord of Mars.
0: Yeah. So uh, that'll be that'll do it for Adventure Comics. Now, next week, we go to the not-really-widely-known Mr. Comics. Yeah. Um,
2: I have tried to research Mr. Comics, and from what I can tell, that many that we're going to cover is, is it for what they published. If they published other stuff... I can't find
0: any information on it, so... Well, we're going to be covering the miniseries Revolution on the Planet of the Apes, and I'm not sure exactly how we're going to go about it. I don't think we're going to go with the traditional uh, full-issue synopsis and then discuss. I think we may go with an entire miniseries synopsis and then discuss. Right. Because I think it might work better that way, and it might uh, keep it from becoming a four-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: We'll kind of discuss it in the broad strokes. But again, uh those of you out there that are that are fans of the latter films, that's uh that's essentially what Revolution's gonna cover. It's uh it's the story immediately after
0: conquest. So there you go. So anybody who has access to it and wants to read it before we cover it, that would be cool.
1: <laughs>
0: Feel free. Anybody got anything funny to say before we go out?
2: Um, sassafras. Sassafras is just always funny. <laughs>
0: Mazel <Muzzletop. laughs> I kind of like Sassafras better. But whatever, teach his own. Sassafras and on the Planet of the Apes? Hassan Pfeffer is good. Hassan Pfeffer on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> All right. And on that note...
2: Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, And also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks,
0: and we'll see you next week.